Welcome to the We Go Places podcast, where we catch up with WeGo grads who share with us the story of the journey to their unique careers. I'm your host, Brian Turnbaugh, English teacher at WeGo since 2001, and you just heard intro music from Andy Georgiev, class of 2022. Today, we talk with Colton Munt, class of 2014, structures engineer for Textron Aviation. Colton will share with us how playing with Legos as a child led to experiments in artificial wind tunnels at Iowa State, which then led to engineering with cutting-edge aviation technology. Joining us today is Colton Munt from the class of 2014. Colton, tell us what you do. Uh, Thanks for having me. Uh, Well, I am a structures engineer for Textron Aviation Defense and Special Missions. Um, Textron Aviation is a large parent company. We own uh, brands like Cessna, Beechcraft, and uh, Hawker, so you may have heard of those before, but uh, Textron Aviation is where my paycheck comes. It's the overarching company. So, Colton, when did you know that you wanted to begin a a career or academic and intellectual curiosity to pursue uh, this particular field? Uh, Well, I've always had uh, an interest in in things that move, specifically things that fly. Uh, I grew up playing with Legos like like most engineers do, and I think my parents kind of fostered the idea of engineering in me, and it kind of stuck with me through high school, and I pretty much knew uh, probably from freshman year of high school, it's it's the path I wanted to go down. Um, And then after my freshman year of college is probably when I narrowed it down to aerospace for sure was the uh, the discipline within engineering that I wanted to go towards. Now, how did you know which school you wanted to go to uh, once you left WeGo? Uh, well, I'm kind of a, I have a family history of Iowa State graduates. So that was kind of naturally on the back of my mind. And uh, my brother, Justin, actually went to school in Des Moines at Drake University. And the idea of being within 45 minutes to an hour of him was was appealing so so naturally i i picked iowa state (laughs) that's so neat that you're able to stay close to your your brother and and all that Mm -hmm. so uh what so once you go to iowa state um what was what were some of the initial classes so obviously you probably have to go through some pretty tough physics classes that get to, you know, the type of engineering coursework uh, and all of that. Uh, I was wondering if you could kind of walk me through, like, what was the kind of evolution of the, of your coursework while you were there? Yeah, absolutely. So I, uh, freshman year, I declared my major as aerospace engineering. Uh, but the freshman and sophomore year of college for most engineers is very similar. Uh, we all would take the same chemistry, physics, uh, math courses, Um, And so really you could change your major anywhere within freshman and sophomore year and not really be set back by coursework. 
Uh, I did have one specific aerospace class freshman year. It was actually taught by an astronaut by the name of Clayton Anderson, and that was more of just kind of an introduction to the aerospace world um, and glossing over at a high level some of the main topics. But it was it was really an exciting class to to get to delve into some aerospace topics at that early in my college career. Do you remember what set the hook for you in that class and in terms of like, wow, that's, I I need to know more about that. Yeah. So we had a a final project in that course. Uh, It was a competition that they do for the freshman class every year. It's called the LTA competition standing for lighter than air. And basically we were tasked to build uh, kind of remote control blimps. They gave us helium filled weather balloons and we had to build a, a remote control kind of uh, gondola to go underneath these balloons and we had to navigate a course uh, that they set up in the atrium of the aerospace building and that was just it was a blast to to be that hands-on uh, freshman year how did they keep things equitable in terms of access to material for a contest like that out of curiosity like so to make sure that no one goes out and, and finds special parts on eBay to get around that how do they how do they control that to make sure no one found cut any corners? We were fairly limited with uh, the materials that we were allowed to use. We basically had to use whatever they had in the shop, which was your run-of-the-mill balsa wood that is used for any type of RC airplanes generally, uh, along with your standard motors, propellers, uh, speed controllers type hardware to make the aircraft. So did you – so while you were at oh, – Iowa State, I would say Ohio State. <laughs> Iowa State. Uh, where did you have? Did you do any interning uh, in between, uh, s- uh, like summer semesters and fall semester? Yep. Uh, so my first internship I did with a small company in Iowa called Percival Scientific, and they manufacture controlled environmental research chambers. They look similar to large refrigerators, and you can control the lighting, uh, temperature, humidity. Um, all sorts of variables within these these containers, and they're primarily used for for agriculture type experiments. Um, but I was a design engineer for them, so I got to be really creative. Uh, being a small company, I got to kind of solve problems how I wanted to, rather than being told a certain way to do it. Uh, so that was really really kind of a fun first internship. Uh, and then I did another internship down in Savannah, Georgia with Gulfstream Aerospace, and they produce uh, large private jets. And I was in a manufacturing role, um, which was kind of solving smaller problems during the manufacturing process, um, which was interesting because I had never really had any hands-on manufacturing experience before then. Did you enjoy Savannah, Georgia? My I, grandparents retired down there many, many years ago. Uh, did, how did you like uh, living in that uh, part of the country? Oh, it was uh, it was amazing. Uh, it, it was a little bit of a leap of faith to to accept the position. I had never been there before, and family was all far away. But I decided it's the the point in my life where I can make those those kinds of decisions. So I just jumped in with both feet, and I really loved it down there. It was <laughs> fantastic. And and just so, so so our our listeners know Gulfstream, they're they're a pretty important manufacturer for those types of. Uh, what would you say is the range of the type of jet that they make? Uh, 
I mean, halfway around the world or, or further. And, and they wow. cost upwards of $75 million a piece. <laughs> yeah, so that, so, yeah. What a great, great opportunity. I mean, the fact that you were able to have such range in your uh, interning opportunity, one that allowed you to be more creative and one that made you kind of think about how to kind of problem solve that really seemed like you had were able to kind of really go after both uh, hemispheres of your brain in, in an engineering sense with that. It is so neat. Yep. Yeah, it absolutely helped to have kind of that little bit of experience in multiple areas. Uh, upon graduation, I, mm-hmm. I had that extra breadth of knowledge that I think helped me uh, within the, the full-time job search. So as you were advancing in your coursework at Iowa State, did you notice the the type of access to technology become more um, impressive? Like, how much what did you move from the actual tangible work where you maybe had to like get your hands on physical material, and then how did it make its way into more of like the simulations that would be on computer programs and all that? What was that? How did how where does that kind of uh, balance exist with your work as an undergrad, and then how does that maybe shift into what you do now? Yeah, moving into kind of junior, senior year of college, there was definitely, we got to play with some some cool tools. Uh, we had a supersonic wind tunnel at Iowa State that we got to use, uh, several subsonic wind tunnels. Uh, additionally, we had a, a structures lab where we got to rivet materials, and then we could do all sorts of different testing to determine the, the strength of the rivets and the surrounding material. And a lot of those tools, if not all of them, are, are things that we use at Textron Aviation for our products. So it, it was great background knowledge to get to, to use those tools in college and then have that have that background knowledge coming into the industry and, and already knowing kind of how these tools work. Uh, uh, it was really great. Just for my own my own uh, sense of, of imagery uh, with this, could you describe like what the wind tunnel, like what how big was it and, and how did you operate that? Uh, so for a normal subsonic wind tunnel, so speeds of the air would be less than the, the speed of sound. We had one where the testing zone, which is where you would put your models, uh, it was about six feet tall, six feet wide, and probably about 30 feet long. Um, and then to power that, so all the motors and fans and, and ducting required, uh, it was probably about the size of a basketball court, <laughs> full size. Wow. Um, and then going down to the supersonic wind tunnel, there's so so much more logistics going on to make to make that happen. The testing area was only about two inches tall by maybe a half inch deep, and uh, two inches wide maybe. <laughs> so there's quite a quite a span of different sizes of wind tunnels we had. Uh, was it? Was it expensive to like even plan out and go? Because I imagine the energy required and all the different. I mean, there's engineering to get the engineering experiment going with something like this. Was it? Was it? How much liberty did you have to have? Like, yeah, I got this idea. Can I run this by? Like, what was the um, way in which you asked permission to kind of run an idea up a flagpole and 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 then get it the hypothesis applied and then actually then begin your testing with that how, how what was that process like for a um it kind of varied on, on what tools you wanted to use they actually let us be pretty creative with with some of the smaller wind tunnels where the operating costs weren't 
weren't quite as high as some of the larger ones. Uh, as long as you had an idea that was feasible and had some sort of worth to it, uh, they were pretty flexible with what they allowed us to do. And uh, so as long as you were kind of thought out, uh, thought out your idea and had some some theory behind it and, and a problem you wanted to solve, there was really no issue uh, getting permission to use those types of tools. Oh, that must have been so, so <laughs> much fun to, to, to just conceive of an idea and then and really just kind of test it. So Colton, when you were then towards the, the latter end of your time at Iowa State, how did you uh, come to find the uh, job where you are at now? Um, so uh, Iowa State had a pretty large engineering career fair every year. Uh, and Textron Aviation uh, being located in Wichita, Kansas, uh, we're relatively close to Iowa State. So there was always a pretty big big Textron Aviation booth and quite a few representatives there to talk to. Uh, and I'd kind of developed uh, some networking with, with some of the, the uh, structures individuals from Textron Aviation. And I actually had an internship opportunity with them uh, my sophomore year, but it, it didn't end up panning out. Um, but I kept the line, lanes of communication open. And then when I saw the full-time position open up, I interviewed for it and I ended up interviewing with the same guy I'd been in contact with and kind of the, the rest is history. It just worked out very well and I'm really happy where I'm at. So it's been great. What, what, what's uh, Wichita like for those of us that are in the, in the, so that you know, there'd be the, the more Western part of the Midwest. Uh, what's, what's it like living in Wichita? Surprisingly, not too different from kind of the West Chicago area, Chicago suburbs. The only difference is you can drive about a half hour in any direction and be in the cornfields. But uh, <laughs> other than that, kind of standard suburbia. <laughs> yeah. Now, so what are some of the projects that you work on uh, at Textron? Um, so <laughs> without giving away any intellectual property, uh, huh. I develop some of the inspection programs uh, for some of our current products, uh, specifically for aircraft that are operated in ways that are not uh, what we'd consider standard commercial flights. Uh, that meaning kind of a normal takeoff, cruise, and landing like you would do if you were flying to Florida or something. We have certain customers that fly their aircraft uh, quite a bit differently than that, and they need specialized inspection programs to make sure their, their airplanes are still safe to fly. Would you say that you were, so what's a typical day at work like for you? Would you say that you, so you come in, you had some coffee. Now, do you know what your project is uh, every day and how much of it is you working on your own versus maybe having kind of a, a collaborative teamwork environment uh, at, at, uh, at Textron? Yeah, that's a good question. So, so the, I guess the time cycle for a lot of the programs I work are relatively long compared to other professions, I would say. Uh, programs can last anywhere from maybe a, a month to over a year. So generally, I, I come into work in the morning knowing what I'm going to be working on that day. Um, and then as far as working individually versus on a team, uh, it's a very collaborative environment. Uh, I work with a team of about 25 other structures engineers, and we all have our own projects, but it's very collaborative in the fact that we bounce ideas and questions off each other pretty much constantly. Um, so I would say it's probably a 50, 50 split of, 
working individually versus collaboratively. Now, when when you're kind of coming up with a, a uh, when you're kind of confronting like a, a, a hiccup or something that snags your your research into to your what you're designing and all that, what what's the, probably the more slipperiest of variables in what you do with uh, the type of engineering work you is it is it um, is it something that is with uh, the, the type of, let's say, force of of air pressure, or like, what are the type of what's the variable that is the one that is like, oh, if I could just get that one under control, what's the one that always trips you up? Um, I would generally say adding mass to the mass or weight to the airplane. Uh, a lot of customers are always asking us, hey, can I add this in our airplane uh, at this location, and Airplanes want to be light. They fly better when they're light. <laughs> the structure's happier when it's light. Uh, so adding weight is always a challenge um, that increases your your stress and your components. And it's kind of a it can be a slippery slope when it comes to adding weight to the airplane. So I'd say that's that's definitely a we try to avoid adding weight whenever possible. <laughs> I was going to say, I guess another follow-up question with maybe tackling uh, questions that you have uh, with what you do, would you say that you are solving new problems that emerge or how much of it is then the creative part where it's like you had an idea and then you want to test that out versus solving problems? What's what's the what's the percentage of, of maybe that? I would say it's mostly solving problems. Um, so to give a little background there... Uh, as a structures engineer, I'm kind of towards the end of the uh, the line of people that the ideas go through. So generally, an idea is hatched by uh, the marketing department or some of our program managers uh, who will talk to our designers and they'll put together a design. Um, and then usually it's kind of bumped over to my department where I look at a design that has already been drafted up and then I do the the math or the analysis required to show if their design is feasible or if it needs to be redesigned. Um, so that's why most of my work is generally analyzing an existing design. Um, and we do often provide uh, kind of creative feedback back to the designers on how they can improve the design. Um, but I would say probably 90% of my job is, is analyzing existing designs. When you're doing the analysis, are, are, do you ha how much of it is a, a set kind of computer program that kind of helps you maybe understand the various stressors that would be in the design work? And then how much of that is, that is done in theoretical in the, uh, let's say the simulation of the program versus how much of that then do you then take to the actual material uh, when uh, when you have the hunch that it, it'll work? Um, so generally, uh, the most inexpensive way for, for us to look at something, because time is money, uh, is to use sort of classical uh, mathematical approaches. Uh, a lot of these approaches are, are standardized and have been used since... Uh, the 60s even, uh, if, if not earlier. Um, so that's usually our first go about solving a problem is to run some, some hand calculations using classical analysis methods. And if that's not uh, 
if that's not getting us the answer we need, that's when we would step to more of the cutting edge technologies such as uh, finite element modeling, which is a 3D model in the computer of the airplane or part of the airplane where we can apply our loads to different components and then it'll output the, the stresses in various components, which we can see if those stresses are within uh, the material allowables. Um, so we kind of use a tiered approach, starting with the, the easiest, most inexpensive approach, moving upwards uh, from there. I think that's it's so interesting that like the, the most, rather than reach for the most fancy thing, it's still old school pen and paper, kind of figuring out the, the math of it first. And then if that doesn't work out, you go to, uh, you know, something that might be more, uh, more fancy. That's, that's yeah, I think that was probably one of the biggest shockers to me uh, getting into the industry was how old, I, I don't know if old school is the right way to put it, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess how we rely on some of these methods that have been around for over 50 years. <laughs> it's, it's pretty amazing. So you, so you've been doing this for a couple of years now and no doubt you've talked to a lot of uh, contemporaries and colleagues that have been there for a while. And what we see so much with the way computational power has, has increased and how that is beginning to influence so many different breakthroughs in all different types of scientific fields. Where do you, where do you see the most exciting breakthrough occurring in your uh, industry and, and in your work as an engineer? Is that something that's going to come through with maybe um, in, in material uh, adaptations or fuel economy or something else? Where do you think the more exciting breakthrough is going to occur within the next five, 10 years? Uh, there's a few different areas that, that are getting exciting. You nailed one on the head with uh, computing power. Um, that, that really kind of revolutionized the tools that, that we have at our disposal um, in terms of we can create really detailed models where in the past they were not much more than just uh, kind of looking like you built the airplane out of toothpicks, uh, where now we have extremely detailed models that, that you can zoom in as far as you want and see the tiniest locations where the stresses are, are building up. So computational power, uh, that's definitely a big one. Another area I would say is materials. Um, up until now and still now, uh, airplanes have been built very similarly over the past 60 years, just mainly aluminum, uh, steel in a few locations, um, where in the future, I mean, composite materials like carbon fiber, uh, those have revolutionized the industry. Uh, along with there's some some high density foams uh, and different some very bizarre materials that I think will really help us in the weight department um, as well as strength department that I think are going to be uh, really interesting to see how those develop um, and then additionally uh, electric air travel has kind of been popping up in the news recently. I think we're still in the infancy there. Batteries are very heavy. Um, so, so I think it's a ways till that becomes feasible. But but it's exciting to see all these new ideas pop up. Uh, <laughs> we'll see where it goes. So what's the, probably the most satisfying thing that you do when you see your work head out into the world? How do you know that you're like, yeah, I did that. That's Because I mean, it has to be really satisfying to like see like that you you helped make this particular thing uh how how often does that happen uh it, it's exciting uh 
and, and there's a, a great deal of, of pride that comes with it. Uh, I mean, from a as a structural engineer, people are, are quite literally trusting us with their lives when they get on the airplane. So, so there's a great deal of respect for the the product, and um, and we take pride in what we do. And it's really exciting to see see an airplane take off for the first time and and come back safely. Colton, I always like ending the interview with tips for success that you could give current Wildcats. Uh, I think the biggest thing is to kind of follow, follow your gut. Uh, generally for me, uh, it's been, it's been good. Uh, and I think don't be afraid to jump in, jump in with both feet. Uh, when you're in high school and in college, uh, you're at the point in your life where it, where it's the easiest to make those, those types of decisions. So if you have a internship opportunity, that's, that's somewhere far away from home and you're a little nervous, uh, or, or anything along those lines, uh, just go for it. <laughs> I promise you won't regret it. It's it, you'll learn things that that you wouldn't have learned otherwise, and and uh, you won't regret those types of decisions. Ah, that is so cool. Well, Colton, thank you so much. This was really fascinating. Learning so much about all the cool toys that you get to play with. Toys, I, and by, by that I mean like these incredible tools of technology that you are harnessing and making really cool stuff. So this has been this has been really interesting. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. Help spread the word about We Go Places podcast by sharing this episode with one other wildcat. As always. Find past and future episodes on Apple or Google Podcasts or any other platform. Just search Wego Vox. That's Wego V O X. You can also stay current by following us on Facebook at Wego Places Podcast or on Twitter at Wego Places. 